Let's pray. Lord, we are very thankful that you as the Lord of heaven and earth is on our side. And if you're on our side, we are on the winning side of history. And we thank you that your love towards us is everlasting. As pointed out this morning, your love has been with us since the foundation of the world. And when Jesus was born and the Son of God came into this world, took upon our flesh, becoming one of us in order to die for us because it would take his death to deliver us from the bondage of sin. And so we praise and magnify your name this evening and anoint our minds to understand what your word says and let us relish in the glory of your inspired scriptures. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. We'll turn, turn to John chapter 12. Last week, we finished up the last part of, of John chapter 11. Always keep in mind what is the theme of the gospel of John. He, he tells us the theme at the end of the book there in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. It says, many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples that are not written therein. And they were done for the purpose that we might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing on him, have eternal life. That is the theme. That is the purpose. Remember, the miracles are done for the purpose of creating a sense of awe. The miracle, it is a miracle because it's out of the ordinary. And therefore, it creates this sense of awe for a purpose that is as a sign that points to something else. The sign is Jesus is the Christ. So these miraculous signs had that purpose. And we saw in chapter 11 that Jesus uh, delayed going to Bethany to see Lazarus who Martha and Mary had sent a delegation to him saying, our brother is very sick and he's at the point of death and you need to come. We're told in the scriptures that he deliberately delayed until he would die. Some would say, well, that was rather uh, unloving for him to do that. No, Jesus had a greater thing in mind. And so when he does arrive at Bethany, the scripture says he delayed for the purpose because he knew there was going to be some Jews that were going to come out to comfort Mary and Martha over the loss of their brother. So Jesus delayed so that he would die and that there would be these Jews there because Jesus knew exactly what he was about to do. And we're told that in that interaction with Mary and Martha in that great short verse where it says Jesus wept, he saw the agony of what sin causes, raises Lazarus from the dead, 
We're told in chapter 11, he did that deliberately, audibly prayed, Jesus says, so that all those around him would hear him say, Father, you always give me what I pray for. And I'm praying this way that they may hear and know I am who I am the Christ. And then he raises Lazarus from the dead. And so we see, and then the scripture says that God allowed Caiaphas, the the high priest uh, that year of the Sanhedrin, the ruling Jewish body, to prophesy in a way he had no idea what he was prophesying. Uh, that he said it's better for one man to die than for the whole nation to die at the hands of the Romans. And we saw it was self-defeating because the Romans will come a, a generation later and do exactly what he feared. And <clears throat> so while Lazarus had, while raising of Lazarus had a great impact upon uh, many people to cause them to believe in Jesus, it had a negative impact on the, on the wicked. In other words, the goats that Jess has been talking about. Uh, the, the sheep are those whom Jesus came to die for. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And we see that there were those that understood the sign and the reason that the Jews, some of these Jews did not understand, Jesus very explicitly said in John 11, he said it in John 6, you, you don't believe me, he says, because you're not of my sheep. You don't hear my voice because you don't have the capacity to hear my voice. The spirit of God has not illumined you. Remember, always, it's not a logical thing, our understanding of biblical truth, our understanding to come to Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior is something that is miraculously done internally by the Spirit of God. Remember what Jesus told Nicodemus? Nicodemus, you got to be born again if you're going to see the kingdom of God. And, you gotta, and being born again of the, to see the kingdom of God is in a, such a way that it's going to be mysterious because it's the spirit moves in a way like the wind. You don't know where it comes from, where it goes. That's how it is with everybody born. So you got two groups of people, those who will believe Jesus, those who will see the signs for what they really are. He is the Messiah. Others, no thing. Now, we saw at the end of, of chapter uh, 11 there, it says the chief priests and the Pharisees had uh, determined they were going to kill Jesus. And we're told there in verse 57, they gave orders, if you know where Jesus is, you better tell us where he is. Because, and, and it says, you ought to look up the Matthew account and the Mark account. The Matthew account's in Matthew 26. The Mark account is in Mark 14, and they both add something the other gospel writers don't add. For example, this anointing of, uh, of, of Mary, of Jesus, with this expensive perfume, in Matthew's account, it says it was done exactly after Jesus spoke what words? Well, the words that Jess has been preaching to us in Matthew 25 about the last judgment, immediately after that, it says that 
he goes to Bethany where Mary is going to anoint him with this expensive uh, perfume. So the, we're told here that the Passover was looming. It says it was six days. If you look at the text there in, in John 12, it says it was six days before the Passover. He came to Bethany where Lazarus was. And um, it's interesting. He goes to the house. John doesn't mention who house he met in, but others, Matthew does mention, it was the house of Simon the leper. And there we see Jesus is coming. Now it says there was about two days um, before uh, that he is, the Passover is to begin. Jesus is given this great dinner on his behalf and honor. And why did they give him that dinner? Well, I think one reason it says he came to the to that house where Lazarus was, where Mary and Martha was, and it says Lazarus was reclining at dinner. This, I, I keep being amazed at that. This man raised from the dead, here he is sitting at a table, and again, it's amazing to me, we're never told by John or any of the gospel writers that people would have said, Tell us, Lazarus, what was it like that four days you were in glory? We're never told that. I, probably for a good reason, because who knows what people would develop theologically from that. Anyway, um, the Sanhedrin had given these strict orders, report where Jesus is. Now, obviously, that, that dinner that they held on his behalf they weren't reporting where Jesus was. There wasn't nobody there that was going to do it. Um, there were, all accounts, at least 15 people there. We got the 12 disciples. You had Lazarus uh, there. You had Simon the leper uh, that was there. Now, some have speculated since it was the house where Mary and Martha and Lazarus was, some have speculated that Simon the leper may have been the father of those three, but we cannot confirm that in the scripture for sure, but there is a good possibility uh, that it was his house. Now, one thing about it, he's referred to as Simon the leper. It's like your past, the way it was in the past goes with you. Simon the leper, he was healed obviously at some point in Jesus' ministry. Now, he is not the one, you know, later when Jesus was passing through from Galilee down to Judea, he passed through Samaria and there were 10 lepers and he healed all 10, but only one came back to thank him. Now, but that's not this person because that was done in Samaria, in the village of Samaria. This is in Bethany, only two miles outside of Jerusalem. So we're told in, in verse three of John 12 here, it says, Martha, as usual, she was the server. Uh, remember, there was another occasion where Jesus was dining with them, where there was a, a dinner on his behalf, and Jesus was teaching, and Martha was serving, and she was upset with her sister Mary because she wasn't helping her serve, and yet Jesus says to Martha, 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 you're so concerned about these things. Mary has chosen the better thing, to learn. She was sitting at Jesus' feet 
And I think there's going to be a reason why uh, that is most telling as we develop through this story here. Now, we see here, while they were reclining at table, verse 3, Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard. Now, this is one thing that's interesting here. Only John mentions her name. If you look at Matthew's account and Mark's, it says, a certain woman came. Well, why, why did John mention her name? It may be that, and, uh, that just because of the, the nature of that relationship uh, that the two had, that he specifically says it was Mary, the uh, sister of Lazarus and Martha, that came and got this pound of very costly perfume, pure nard. Well, it's, it's called elsewhere in the other accounts, spike nard. And she had it, and it's the other gospel writer says she had it in an alabaster jar, and she broke it and poured it on Jesus. Now here it says she poured it on his feet. Other places says he poured it on her head. You say, well, there's a conflict in the Bible. Well, not, not really. It just says it was poured over his body. You put the two together, and it's just she poured it all over him, and the text says the fragrance filled the whole house. Now, I've done some little bit of research on spikenard. One reason why it was very expensive was that the place where the plant is grown is in the Himalayan mountains in India. Now, that ought to tell you something. And it's grown in this high elevation. So for somebody to go get that, and then you have to transport it, well, that's expensive. We're told in our text here that the, uh, the expense of that, verse 6, uh, well, verse 5 says, why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, it says in verse 4 that Judas Iscariot, one of, uh, Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples, is mentioned here. The other gospel writer says, all the disciples were indignant towards Mary, saying, why did you do this? Now, you know how much 300 denarii was worth? A denarius was a day's wage for a common laborer. So, she poured over Jesus almost a year's worth of wages. And if you put it in modern terms, it's about $20,000 worth of perfume that she poured. So you can understand why the disciples said, what are you doing? And of course, Judas Iscariot, who says, you could have used this, that money, you could have sold it. Remember, it's 11 months worth of wages. You could have taken that and given it to the poor. Well, John's very specific, mentioning Judas. Judas could care less. That wasn't his goal. I mean, he was basically a liar. Remember, look what it says about him, verse 6. Now he said this, referring to Judas, 
not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. He had the money bag and would, from time to time, take the money out of it for his own use. He was a thief. And so what we see, keep in mind this, we saw this in John 6. Jesus says, there were many in his teaching that, he says, you got to eat my flesh and you got to drink my blood. And that offended many of the Jews. They followed him no more because of that. And it says, Jesus says, did I not choose you? And yet one of you is a demon. And it says there in John 6, he was referring to Judas Iscariot, the one who would betray him. All along, Jesus knew he was a devil. He was a wicked reprobate and wanted him to come along. Why? What did the scriptures say? That Jesus would have to be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. That was a prophetic from the Old Testament. Jesus knew all along. He knew the hearts of men. He knew he was the thief all along. He didn't pass over any, he didn't get anything over on Jesus. So <clears throat> these disciples, they're upset with the fact that this expensive perfume was uh, used on Jesus. Now, in, in this regard, in the pouring of that expensive perfume over it, with the others being indignant towards Mary, the other gospel accounts, Jesus says, look, basically he said to him, don't give Mary a hard time. She's done the right thing. Look, look what, um, what Jesus says in verse 13 or verse 7. Let her alone in order that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. Now, what's interesting here is that Mary really understands something that the disciples did not yet fully understand. And I think one explanation of that is the fact who was sitting at Jesus' feet? Every opportunity she had to learn, it was Mary. And so she's able to understand where the disciples didn't because uh, I, I want you to turn, over to turn over to Matthew 26, 13. Now we're told here, if you back up to verse 10, Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why do you bother the woman? For she has done a good deed to me. For the poor you have with you always, but you don't always have me. 
For when she poured this perfume upon my body, she did it to prepare for my burial. And then it says, Truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done shall be spoken of in memory of her. Mary's act of love towards Jesus will always be, according to Jesus, spoken of wherever the gospel is preached. She has chosen the good thing. What she understood is what the disciples were having a difficult time understanding. That is that Jesus had to die. Basically, it's Mary who says she understands that, and this is her opportunity to anoint his body because she may not know when she's going to have another opportunity. So she's understanding what Jesus has been saying. Also, take a look at Matthew 16. Look at verse Matthew 16, 21. Now, he had uh, had a healing, and he, he, was, he was taught well. He was talking to the disciples in Matthew 16, giving them the keys of the kingdom. And he warned his disciples, verse 20, they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, why is that? Because it wasn't his hour yet. That's why. That's why he would go in places and escape because it wasn't his hour. The events of Mary anointing his, uh, his body with his perfume was only days before the Passover. And within that week, Jesus would be crucified. But we're told in verse 21, from that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. And then it says, Peter took him inside and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid, Lord, this will never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me for you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's interests. Now, of course, we're told Satan wanted to kill Jesus, and it was the power of darkness that was granted. Satan didn't fully understand that in killing Jesus, it was going to be his undoing. It will be the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15, where it says, the seed of the woman shall crush the head of the serpent, and the head of the serpent, uh, the serpent will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, meaning, oh, he'll kill, he'll inspire Judas. Remember, when, uh, later on, when Judas is at the Last Supper, it says that the devil filled Judas's heart to go out and betray Jesus. But Jesus had to die. I mean, after all, why did he come into this world? We're told when, when uh, Jesus' mother, um, uh, Mary, was with child... We are told that the angel says that which is conceived in you is of God, is the son of God. And you shall call his name Jesus because he 
He will save his people from their sins. Jesus came for one part. I mean, the Son of God came into this world, took on human flesh, just like ours, weak human flesh, given the name Jesus of the God-man. That's the name of, the, of this unique person for one purpose, to die. Jesus always knew what his purpose was, was to die. The disciples didn't fully understand it. Mary, the mother of Lazarus, she understood it. That's why. And that's why Jesus praises her and she will live in memorial until the end of time for that act. Well, we know from, uh, from the scriptures Again, to show that though Jesus from time to time would tell his disciples what, what, what had to happen, they still didn't understand. Even during the resurrection, they still didn't understand. Turn with me to Luke 24. Now, Jesus had been telling his disciples, look, I got to go to Jerusalem. I got to be delivered up and I got to be killed but I will rise again on the third day. But in Luke 24, when on the road to Emmaus, the day of the resurrection, two disciples didn't know it was Jesus who they were walking with. And and take a look at Luke 24, verses 25 and 26. And some of those who were with us, went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And then look at Luke 24, 44 through 46. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So what we see here, though he had told his disciples what had to happen, even after the resurrection, they still were slow of learning and Jesus had to open their minds to understand. In other words, anointed their, their minds. Recall again, when Jesus asked his disciples, and they're recorded in Matthew 16, who do men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist come back from the dead. Some say you're the great prophet Elijah come back. And Peter says, no, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And that's when Jesus said to Simon, he says, Simon, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. We've said this on other occasions. 
If you understand biblical truth, it's because of the Holy Spirit. And apart from the Holy Spirit, you and I don't understand fully the scriptures. And so what Jesus had to do with these disciples, not only the 12, but these others that were with him on the day of resurrection, he still had to open their minds, but he still rebuked them. You you should have still known that I'm the theme of the Bible. See, Luke 24 is a great passage that uh, substantiates the idea of the whole Bible is, has a golden thread running from Genesis to Revelation. That golden thread is Jesus. He is the theme of every book of the Bible. And Jesus says, was it not written? They could have known Isaiah 53. See, where the Jews failed... They, uh, in this Messiah, they thought this Messiah would be this great political leader that would destroy the, their enemies, namely like the Romans. They had no idea that the Messiah would first come as a suffering servant as Isaiah 53 said he would come. And what Jess has been preaching in the morning is now the risen Savior is the King of kings and Lord of lords. Now he's exalted, but he had to first come as the suffering servant, so he had to die. Now, turn back to John 12, verse 9. After Jesus uh, said this, now let me just make a comment about verse 7 and 8. He says, the poor, you're always going to have the poor with you. But you're not going to always have me in the flesh on earth. So what Mary has done for me is the better thing. She has prepared me for my burial. That's what she has done. By the way, what I've read about spikenard, it said when she broke that alabaster jar, poured it on Jesus, and it says the fragrant, uh, fill the whole house, it is said that that fragrance can last for two days. That's how powerful that perfume is. I also learned, I guess one reason why it was so special, it, w- it was used as a natural antibiotic, I mean antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. So it had medicinal purposes as well, and which uh, was why it cost. But it's interesting, that whole fragrance filled the whole house and it lingered there. Then if that's the case, if it does linger for two days and it was two days before the Passover, before Jesus headed towards Jerusalem to die, it will be a constant reminder of the impending death of the Son of God. Well, now we're told in verse 9 It says, a great multitude, therefore, of the Jews learned that he was there, meaning at Bethany, and they came not only for Jesus' sake only, but that it might see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. I mean, Lazarus was like the circus. We got to see this man. We all these reports of this man raised from the dead, who's been dead. Four days, whose body 
was already decomposing and Martha was concerned about opening the tomb because the stench of the de- uh, decomposing body would be there. Oh, we got to come see this guy. Oh, we're going to see Jesus, but we got to see Lazarus. We got to see it in order to believe it. And it says it was a great multitude. Remember, why Jesus delayed going to Bethany. He delayed deliberately waiting for Lazarus to to die because he wanted all of these Jews to be there to see him raise Lazarus. And then the word to start disseminating out in Jerusalem. Oh, you won't believe what happened in Bethany. Oh, let's go see. Let's go see for ourselves. And so they come out to see Lazarus whom he raised from the dead. Now verse 10 basically shows just how despicable the religious leaders were. It says, verse 10, the chief priests took counsel, they're gonna put Lazarus to death. Now why are you gonna put Lazarus to to death? We already know they wanted to kill Jesus because they said, if we don't kill Jesus, the whole world's going to follow him. We'll see that a little bit later uh, next week when we get into John, further into John 12. We know they hated Jesus, but they're going to kill Lazarus. Some could say, what has he done to you? Well, here's what he's done to him. He is a living testimony of the greatest sign of all that Jesus is the Messiah and they cannot, they cannot have that reputation going around. They cannot have the people and large groups of people believing this. So what's one way to silence that? We'll kill the man that he raised from the dead. That's one way we can do it. So they hated Jesus. They hated Lazarus. They wanted to do it. They were afraid. Why? Well, verse 11 says exactly what they were afraid of. It says, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. On account of Lazarus, all these people were being converted to believe in Jesus. So he was an instrument in the hands of Almighty God as that great miracle, remember, what's the purpose of the miracle? Create a sense of awe, pointing as a sign, I am the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God. And by believing in me, you'll have eternal life. And so many people, because of Lazarus being that greatest sign, were believing in Jesus. And the chief priest says, we got to stop it. We got to stop this before it really gets out of hand. Well, you may try to stop the purposes of God, but you never will. God will always have his way. And Jesus had to die. And in dying, he crushes Satan's head. It is the destruction of all the wicked in history, on that last day of judgment, those goats will be condemned. Why? Because they didn't believe in Jesus. 
That's why. You know, it's no one's fault but our own if we don't believe in Jesus. Do not let the doctrine of God's sovereignty of election and predestination conflict with the doctrine that says that where God says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. Choose life and not death. You know what? Later on, when Jesus is speaking, this is in Mark 14, verse 21, Jesus says, the son of man is going to go as it has been determined. Now that's predestination, as it has been determined. But woe to the man who betrays him. For it would have been better for that man to have never been born. Whose fault was it to portray Jesus? Judas's fault. And he knew he should not have betrayed innocent blood. Throws the 30 pieces, we're going to see, throws the 30 pieces of silver back to the chief priest. And they go, I've betrayed innocent blood. And they go, what's that to us? So? And then he goes out and hangs himself. All predestined, Jesus is going to have to die. And now this is the last week, and we're going to see how that, how that builds. And next week, we're going to talk about the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and how that is a fulfillment of prophecy and the significance of that triumphal, triumphant entry and how that was a fulfillment of Zechariah's prophecy. You know, the great thing about prophecy is, have you ever thought about this? That prophecy in and of itself is predestination. Can the prophetic word of God ever fail? No. So when there is a prophecy about a coming Messiah, is there a chance that it won't be fulfilled? Well, of course not. God is sovereign. And all the purposes and the decrees of God are going to be fulfilled. That's the greatness of the God whom we serve. Let's pray. Lord, be with us and let us rejoice in the fact that we are the sheep and we have heard the voice of the, of the great the great shepherd, and we have followed. And on that last day of judgment, we will be commended by our great King of kings and Lord of lords, our great Savior. And we will enter into the joy of that kingdom prepared for us from the foundation of the world. We thank you. And give us this joy all the days of our life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.